Just release fresh tongues of fire in your prayer language together. When they all spoke in tongues, you know, they were 120 in the same room. The church started in drunken glory, tongues of laughing fire. And it will end in it also. The church age ends in the laughing tongues of fire. Thank you, Father. Tongues confuses the enemy. Tongues cleans the air, cleans the airwaves. Tongues is like Moses' staff and Aaron's staff that devours the staffs of the sorcerers, Jannies and Jambres which needs to happen fresh every day. That's our job, the priesthood of Melchizedek, is to release the words that devour all the words of the enemy. Some of those words are in English. Many of them are in groanings that are too deep for words. Like laughing is a groan that's too deep for words. <laughs> Laughter is the groan. Too deep for words. Laughter is a manifestation of faith. You can always laugh in the glory. The more you laugh, the more the enemy's crying. Arandarashi kedrin drivurma. Erandarekuriare. There's no structure here except the glory. There's no form here except the glory. The walls of the heavenly Jerusalem are jasper, which represents in prophetics the glory, which means the only walls of the heavenly eternal destination of your souls are the glory walls that are invisible clear light as your souls are made crystal clear and sparkling by your spirit in Christ. If you're just tuning in online, pray in tongues with us. Hallelujah. There is a power in the corporate tongue. Let the body of Christ speak in mysteries directly to their Father in heaven. If anyone wants the prayer language, if anyone desires tongues, let the Holy Spirit baptize you right now. And let new tongues, new dialects of tongues spring up in your heart. A greater glory. 
a greater tongue. Shikarandoroko, Zindriakarato, Andra, let your spirit speak the language of the spirit. The total destruction of the curse of the Tower of Babel, where the tongues brought division, now the tongues bring union. It's unity of the tongues, the tongues of the Holy Spirit. There will be an interpretation. With the river of wisdom, a feast of interpreting the tongues of God. Let them rest on your head. Let them burn up all that is dead. Tongues of fire flow. Rivers of fire. Rivers of tongues. Let it consume your cities, your skies, your clouds, your soil, your natural realm, all the elements in you and around you. Let it consume all your blood throughout you in fresh fire. Thank you, Jesus. Holy. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can express your gratitude to him any way you desire. Let your spirit be free in the glory. <laughs> I like the church of Elijah that goes up in the whirlwind of fire. Whirlwind ministry. I mean, the, the winds of the Holy Ghost don't even let the flesh rest. Or there's no carnality in the whirlwind of prophecy. The whirlwind of the Word of God. The whirlwind of the promises of God. It's a whirlwind of resurrection glory. Elijah is coming. He's coming within you. The Lord comes with the spirit and the power of Elijah to restore the children to the Father. And what is the restoration of all the believing children on earth to God the Father? It is the experience of God's glory, the Shekinah light so strongly that it feels like you're drunk and you're high on drugs. That's the restoration to the Garden of Eden. That you're fully satisfied, fully intoxicated, fully pleasured by the glory of the Holy Spirit. And then you learn to live in that place. You learn to walk in a state of trance, walk in ecstasy, walk in rapture. Not just at Joel's bar, but all the time in ecstasy, angelically, by your faith in the word of his glory. There's a word that is full of light. It's a container like an ark that contained the Ten Commandments in the Old Covenant. Under the mercy seat was the word of God, Aaron's staff that budded, and the manna from the wilderness, representing being fed on the throne of the Lamb. That you feast between the wings of the cherubim. The feast of the Lamb 
is a revelation of eating from the throne. We eat directly from the throne of Jesus Christ and all angels do. Your angelic reality, your angelic manifestation without the carnality of all that is immoral, including charismatic carnality, which is the greatest deceiving thing of Jezebel of all time, all of that fake car carnality, all that fake charismaticness will burn away as you feast from the throne of the Lamb today. There's going to be one clear expression from the Lamb of God. It's going to be a feast of the Lamb and the friends of the bridegroom prepare the feast. You're learning how to wade tables. You're becoming waiters like Stephen with the glowing face, waiters of the glory. We're preparing feast tables for the bride of Christ to eat a greater word, a greater wisdom, to experience a greater glory. Your souls are being renewed to prepare the way for the nations to come into the glory. You are the way makers of Isaiah chapter 60. See, you arise and you shine. You are the city of light, the city on a hill. You are the heavenly Jerusalem. You are the tabernacle of David. You are the gates of Zion. You are the priests of the Melchizedek order. You are the friends of the bridegroom. And now you're learning how to act like it. Now you're learning the ways of Jesus. The high priestly ways of the glory. It's the knowledge of the glory that allows the nations to live in the glory even if they don't have any revelation at all. There's a people that will clothe the nations with glory. That's what unconditional agape love is. It's clothing the nations with undeserved favor and grace and love from an elevation of your inner man that has learned the priestly ways of Jesus Christ in this place. Your angel is a priest. Now the book of Acts says they believed that the believers had a spirit that was like an angel. Remember they heard the knock on the door and Peter was imprisoned in the Bible and they say it must be Peter's angel. It can't be Peter's body. We know it's Peter's body's incarcerated right now. It's got to be Peter's spirit. Some people interpreted that Peter's guardian angel, but it's not Peter's guardian angel. It's Peter's spirit. It's Peter's angel. The word for spirit and angel are the same words in Greek. The priesthood of Melchizedek is learning how to live angelically as angel all the time. That's the only way you mature in Christ. So all the counterfeits of this generation are to you to have soulish expressions in animal form with the mind still on the outside, which is still in the grave clothes, in the flesh, still in the animal forms, bearing the images of the animal, but yet having a charismatic Christianity. That's what we're overcoming. That's what Jezebel is. That's the last principality you overcome before you have never-ending revival. That's what we've been waging war against for 16 years in this ministry. And we're winning. Though our numbers are fewer champions of the drink like Gideon's 300, and we've won every single battle. 
at a great loss in battle of people that lose to spirits that are invisible that allow you to retain the image bearing of the Adamic man. Do you understand all temptations once you get into the Holy Ghost are to remain soulish. It's to cling and retain to your old Adamic life and yet be charismatic. Those are the only temptations left after you've embraced the prophetic. That's what Jezebel is. It's the carnality of spirituality. Those who say they are prophetic yet are soulish are the ones still under the captivity of the principality. It's the truth and yeah. Like the animal forms can bear the image of God. Like the flesh can bear the image of God. Like the flesh can be the brother and sister of Christ. No. It's spirit. Those who are in spirit worship in spirit and in truth. And God is spirit. Amen. So, in order to bear God's image, you must be in your spirit with all of your mind. Your mind must be renewed to your spirit. So wisdom, the Bible says wisdom is killing the animalic expressions, the beast expressions, the flesh expressions of spirituality. Amen. So people ask me, are the manifestations demonic? They're carnal. All manifestations are carnal because the spirit is coming through your flesh. It's all carnal. We need more of that type of carnality. We do. It's always ugly, like childbirth. It's always wild. It's always uncomfortable. It's always irritating before it's intoxicating. <laughs> That's the prescription of the prophetic. The prophetic. John the Baptist's assignment was to offend the religious. John the Baptist called the Elijah of Jesus Christ's first coming by the Lord himself was his entire destiny was to offend the religious. You understand that? He had a ministry of offense to Satan. <laughs> Amen. You realize that, holy God. Extremely carnal. <laughs> Extremely soulish. Because the spirit is getting through the soul. And the soul is just getting whacked. So you're going to have to face all this stuff in the heart. You'll face it in your own heart. You'll face it externally. John the Baptist wore his camel hairs, which was the uncleanness of the world inside out, to be irritated by all that is carnal constantly. Oh, yeah. So the prophetic is the irritation to the soulish. People can only get so far into the prophetic before it's like, if I go any further, I'm going to be offended. And that's where you need to go. The past that offense is into a greater glory because it's through the offense of the animal, the soul, the flesh, the human heart, and the human mind 
that you enter the glory of God. It's offensive to kill animals. And the soul is a beast. So once it's burning and the butter is churning and the favor of God is your learning and all of that offense in the heart and the mind that is irritated by the manifestations of the Holy Spirit through flesh. That is what drove the Pharisees crazy to the point of killing him was that the pure holy things of God were coming forth through unclean flesh. These are like the days of Noah. The unclean animals came in and the clean animals, clean and unclean, all flesh came in and manifested the same ark. Noah's ark, which represents the mercy seat of the cherubim, are getting into the glory, getting into the heavenly Jerusalem. It will get into the flesh. It will get into the animal. And it's like an animal dying. The new covenant is like an animal dying, which means there'll be squirming and worming. Will the worm ever die, Isaiah asks in the book of Isaiah. It dies in the cross by the fire of God, and the cross is manifest in crucifying the worm of the human brain by the Holy Spirit's word confronting knowledge in you. See, knowledge, when it's hit with the prophetic, is combustible. It ignites in fire. That's the fire of God. The fire of God is the word mixed with the spirit, mixed with faith, that touches the heart and the brain and the bones. And we want to keep getting burnt up on the altar of the word of God until the thing is so crucified it's open and available for any manifestation of the Holy Spirit which is called great wisdom great wisdom is allowing the Father to express himself through your spirit he's only going to do it through your spirit the rest of it is just you God's only in your spirit the Bible says that now the rest of it is determined on how much you'll let him express himself through you which is your soul that's your rewards. It's the believer's rewards. It's not God's rewards. God's always perfect. The believer's rewards are different in each soul according to how much you allow God, because you all have the same God, Jesus Christ, in your spirit. Now you determine your level of rewards by getting undignified, by getting undone from religion, which is the container of the things of God and the words of God, the Bible of God, the Spirit of God, the gifts of God, the fire of God, the fruits of God, and all the kingdom of God, of how much of it can get through your souls every day. That's what a temple is. A temple is a place where God can manifest His glory. These are your bodies, the temples of the Holy Spirit. Each temple has a different glory in it. You have a different individual relationship with the same God. All of your relationships with the same God are different and unique. And that's what makes you members in particular of the body of Christ and your unique relationship of the experiences you've had with the Holy Ghost in your life on earth is what will determine how much of that will come out and help others. 
You want to build up others through your own relationship with the Holy Ghost? Holy. A lot of times in your manifestations of your relationship, you'll encounter other manifestations of other people's relationship and it will enrich yours. That's what iron sharpening iron as a brother sharpens a brother in the glory is. Iron is prophetic for the human spirit. My spirit's releasing this. I have revelation in these areas of God's word. I'm walking in wisdom in these areas. You're walking in wisdom in those areas. We come together and it enriches our spirit for a greater manifestation. The Bible says one puts a thousand to flight, two ten thousand. So what happens if you get twelve? Put ten million, it's exponential releasing, and this is done by when your eternal immortal spirit mixed with the word of God comes together. The Bible says that our spirits are knit together in the fabric of love, in the fabric of wisdom, and that container is the body of Christ. Notice that it says the spirit in the scriptures are knit together. Not the soul. The soul is the place of just how much of the spirit can get out. How much of the soul is burnt up. How much of the brain is off the freedom of the spirit. Freedom is the measure of how far you're out of your brain and into the word of God in your spirit, anchored into the word. We have this Logos written word as an anchor for the soul, which means coming out of the realm of the natural into the realm of the word of God in the spiritual. And if the word of God be believed upon, then your mind and your consciousness go into the mind and consciousness of Christ. The mind of Christ is the glory realm. You have the mind of Christ. Paul told the Corinthians they had the mind of Christ and they were incestuous. They were having sex with their mom in the Bible. And yet he says to them, while they're a total mess and their church is totally in chaos, he's directing them out of their own brain where they're totally mentally insane into their spirit. Christ in you, get out of the flesh, get out of the soulish, and let the word of God, the word of the apostle in Corinthians, bring you into a deeper anchor in your own spirit. And there you'll have consistency, there you'll have purity, there you'll have power and holiness, there you'll begin to encounter God in his glory, and it will transform your minds. He knows that the infants in Christ are clueless acting like fools everywhere and he's directing them how to come out of foolishness how to come out of carnality how to come out of rebellion how to come out of religion to go into the spirit where their spirit can meet with God release glory which is fire to burn out the soul and all of the fallen angels trying to steal your inheritance in Christ they were getting hit by the devils big time because they had Christ in them they were experiencing the glory and at the same time practicing immorality that's what Corinthians is all about they had sexual immorality in their midst and it wasn't just the boy and his mom there was a lot more than that 
They were speaking in tongues with the temple prostitutes in Corinth. Sexual immorality mixed with the charismatic of the Holy Ghost is a major deal in the USA, in the American church, especially amongst the young people. If you can purify the young people from all immorality in the chaste virgin thought life of Jesus Christ crucified in the hearts and minds, you will experience the glory without measure. One thing's holding you back, a greater purity. A greater power will flow from a greater purity, and it is the cross of the Word of God getting lifted up on the inside of you to experience a greater, purer Word in Christ. The Word experienced in the purity of the crucified one is a Word experienced in the light of His glory. Light is also fire. We want a greater fire. We want to burn. Listen, the purity of Jesus Christ is not available in the flesh. It's not available. A human soul cannot have enough external discipline to walk in it. It's not about refraining from outward acts of immorality. It's about indulging on the lamb inwardly and the white dove himself possessing the soul with the very purity of the power and the person of the Holy Ghost. You can't have enough external discipline to walk in the chaste virginity of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There isn't a Christianity on this planet that can produce that in you. But there is the Holy Spirit on this planet who already walks in it, who already has it, who's already perfect and can't be more perfect. All you got to do is make room for the glory. Make room for the white dove. The Holy Ghost is the white dove. What is the manifestation of the perfected purity? The white dove, the peacemakers. It's a level of maturity in the purity of the Spirit of God formed in your hearts and minds. That's what all the manifestations are for. The manifestations of the soul, the wildness of the charismatic church and the wild Pentecostals, the drinkers, all this wildness is because the soul is getting hit by the Spirit. Now, we're, it's not about the manifestations. It's about the manifestations of the Son of God. In the meantime, you're manifesting. I'm manifesting. We don't shut that down because you have to manifest for a while before He manifests and all you see is the Son of God. If you shut down the manifestations of the soul as He's trying to get out, then the Son of God will never manifest in that person. So you don't shut down manifestations unless it's demonic and then you can let the angels do that and you can just preach through it and release the Word of God, release judgment, and you'll do that sometimes too. But a lot of times you have to allow a person's demons to manifest in order for them to manifest the Holy Ghost because they're all blocked up. There's stuff and blockages in the soul. A false counterfeit personality, a soulish expression of the divine based on their brain's belief systems and judgments and identity issues that they have put on themselves by agreement with fallen angels. It's all about identity. The devil's main job is to misconstrue your perception of your soul in Christ and think that it's based on you. If it's based on you, then you never can walk in the divinity because now it has human limitations. The reins of the soul are likened to a horse and bridle and you give him the reins and Jesus holds the reins of your soul and transforms the horse. You know horses in the Bible, white horse riding what? Flesh. 
Do not be like the horse that needs bit and bridle or it will not come to you, Psalm says. I mean, do not be carnal and stubborn that needs to be beaten by the world's circumstances and the penalties of sin that are death in order to obey God. There's an altar for the horse. Amen. A daily altar where the flesh goes and submits itself to the Holy Ghost for a greater release of God. And it has nothing to do with the mind's perceptions. And your brain has to come off of what it looks like because you're not going to know because you've never experienced it before. The increase of God's glory in your life is always beyond what your carnal faculties can understand. If you can understand it, it's not God. Understanding is a spirit. The seven spirits of God, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord. These seven spirits of God, of the spirit of the Lord, God's sevenfold Holy Ghost, are a constant blowing away of the brain, which is called living in the fear of the Lord, or living in the awe of God. He shall delight in the fear of the Lord. He shall take pleasure in the awe of God. Isaiah 11, it is written. Who? Everyone walking with the Lamb of God on the inside. Everyone God inside-minded. It's the same walk. It's the same path. That's why the same wisdom of anyone growing from glory to glory in God inside-mindedness can teach that wisdom, share that wisdom with others, and they all have results. It works for everyone. It's the eternal gospel. The eternal gospel is the word that consumes the animal. And we want to identify with the animal. I'm this tribe, I'm this nation, this nation, this tribe, this tongue, but they all bow, which means they don't matter. The flesh counts for nothing, John 6. What matters is the spirit that is the container of Christ that will consume the outside forms. Amen. Then you can go wild in outside forms. Then you have freedom in outside forms with the manifestation of your spirit on the outside, which is all creative ability of freedom and abundant life. Holy. That you may be set free from humanity Yay. and the limitations of carnality that you have put on yourself by your enculturation in earth. Many shall arise from the dust of the earth, or many shall arise from earth's cultures. It's also human DNA. It's the limitations that we put on ourselves. Many shall arise from identifying as human beings, in other words. They're going to begin to identify with heavenly beings. You are a heavenly being, but you have to be persuaded by constantly being transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the word of heaven. Eating the word of heaven, what's the ascension into the throne? What was under the throne in the Ark and the Old Covenant for our wisdom, which is for our discovery of how to obtain these promises in Christ? Food. Under the throne was only food. Remember, they drank the commandments. Moses came down with food for their spirit. What did he do? They, he found them in idolatry. So he made the commandment drinkable. And he ground the golden calf into powder with the Ten Commandments. And they all drank gold. And they all drank the commandment of the mountain. See, it represents the new covenant symbolically of being able to drink what you need to ascend the mountain. And you're in a lower elevation, it's all idolatry. Doesn't mean that you have a golden calf in your backyard and you're a nudist colony. It's symbolic that you are naked in the realm of the natural, which means not clothed in any power and glory. To be naked is to have no authority in the spirit. 
To be naked is to not be clothed in glory, not have the knowledge of the glory, the armor of light covering you head to toes. Remember when they came out of the glory? Bible says they were naked and they clothed themselves. Religion is the clothing of yourself. That's what the curse of the fall is. So you need a word that works by its own power that's not based on the self-life to clothe you in the word of God, to clothe you in the glory of God, the marriage clothing of the Lamb. Anyone not married wearing that clothing was expelled from the celebration. Why? Because they're still clothed in self, which means it's illegitimate. You can't enter that place unless you be clothed in the works of Christ, clothed in the grace of the Lord Jesus, clothed in what he did, clothed in what he said. He's our sacrifice back into being heavenly beings. If we're doing it ourselves through our own mental ascension, pride comes before a fall. But if we're doing it through true spiritual ascension, which is faith and glory to glory, it's not based on us. So our joy is ever increasing joy. Grace always comes with laughter and joy. Grace always comes with the glorification of the personality. Because as you ascend, you get the rewards of Jesus not earned by works, which means joy in the gift. There's giftings of joy. There's giftings of ascension that will cause you to rise in your inner man. And as you experience it, it will dynamically change your personalities. Our personalities at lower elevations, we are still bearing images of birds, beasts, and reptiles, even if we believe in Jesus. They all believed in God in Israel's day. I mean, to be an Israelite, you all believe in the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Everyone believes in it. And yet many of them were idolatrous. It's not about believing in God. It's about ascending in the spirit and experiencing God. The Bible says all the demons believe in God doesn't do them any good. Faith is not enough. There has to be an elevation change on the inside out of the low level of the sand upon the mountain where we stand. Standing on the mountain, Revelation 15 is Moses and the Lamb singing the song of Moses, which is the dominion of the Word of God. And this is upon Mount Zion. It's not Mount Sinai. Sinai is the external law. That's for the wicked who live in the sand who haven't ascended in faith. We are not of that class of being. We're of those who have ascended in faith, who are of the law of freedom in Christ Jesus, that the Spirit has set us free to stand with Moses and the Lamb on the top of Mount Zion in a word working by its own power, not in control systems of the outside of do's and don'ts, not under the law, but in the empowerment of the living word on the inside and the food of the ark. Days of Noah, this is the ark. The food for the spirit is the tabernacle of David. It is the ark of Noah. It is the ark of Jesus Christ. Your bodies are the food systems of all human spirits. That's what the friends of the bridegroom become. They become the feast. What does the Bible say? Let the priests feast upon her. Feasting upon everything Christ is inside each other. You're feasting on the spirit. You're, it's all in the supernatural. None of it's in the realm of the natural. It's all in the glory realm. In the realm of your spirit, in your redeemed new creature in Christ's spirit, there is a realm of feasting on the word of God. That's when you eat the word of God. The prophetic word is written by the Holy Spirit on your hearts and you're reading the word in each other's spirit. 
What does the Bible say? Living epistles read of all men. And we've interpreted it externally with the eyes of our brain like the flesh can read. Flesh can't read. The Bible says to those people, you think you have eyes that see, but I counsel you to buy eyes so you can see. Illuminate the eyes of our heart. Our spirit sees. Our spirit reads. You can only know someone after the spirit. The Bible says we shall know no one after the flesh, after the culture, after the outside jar of clay. We want to know the sacred contents within of the word of God. What is within? The commandments, Aaron's staff that budded, and the manna. What's within? The word and the spirit. What came out of the contents of the ark? The glory of the word of God. What is the restoration of all things? What did we lose in the beginning? Belief in the word. What is the redemption? The, the constant revelation of how to go back into the glory of the word of God that was once inside man and women that we walked in the Garden of Eden. That's what it's all about. All the feasting, all the eating, all the drinking, all the revelation, all the Bible, all of it is to go back into the full encounter of the fullness of the glory and the light of the living word. The word of God is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, he was with God in the beginning, and the heavens and the earth were created by the word. We're going back into the word. We're having the word being built up on the inside. It's glorifying your spirit. Now, if you can crucify your carnal mind and eat into your spirit, your spirit will get more real to you than your outer man. That's what we need to feast upon as technon to weos. A technon can only eat for their soul because they're bound up in their natural man. They can't see beyond themselves. They love Jesus, they're doing the best they can, but it's constant problems. They don't have the solutions. They're not like John the Elderly writing all the solutions to the world's problems, going around everywhere just baptizing nations in glory. They're like, help, 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 everything's hard. I'm struggling, struggling, struggling. The reason why is because practicing the flesh after you're born again reveals the entire curse of the fall. <laughs> practicing the outer man when the spirit's been regenerated is why the demons non-stop attack the believers. And the believers go through such hell, the wilderness is literally the hell of the soul and you're not supposed to be in it your whole life. It's supposed to be short, you cling to the word, Jesus clung to the word 40 days, quoted scripture at Satan every single temptation, and his spirit was enriched, his soul was nourished by angels, and then he came out of the wilderness clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you come out of the clothing of self, you come out of the clothing of your brain, you come out of the clothing of your personality, in the power of the personality of the Holy Ghost. He came out of the wilderness glowing in the glory of the Holy Spirit, and that's his ability to do signs, miracles, and wonders. He was completely possessed of the Spirit of God. There wasn't any Jesus of Nazareth in there. Jesus of Nazareth was the shell of the Spirit of God. Amen. He showed us how to live completely under the control of the Holy Spirit. This is our life. Disciples of the Holy Ghost. Getting out of the way. So the temptations in the wilderness are the temptations of your soul to remain in control of your bodies. So most Christians don't give up control. They say, I cling to this identity. Like the ones in the wilderness who died with Egypt in them. 
They were building the gods of Egypt. They had the gods of Egypt still in their hearts, still in their minds. The idolatry of Egypt. They refused to remove it by the sanctifying power of the word of Moses from the mountain. And so they died because they rejected sanctification, which was the judgment of their thought life and the transformation of their soul life into the expression of their spirit life. Christians suffer because we're very stubborn to go from soul, us, to spirit, no longer us, no longer I that live the life I li now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. It's easy if you don't love your life. It's impossible. The Bible calls it kicking against the pricks. It's not easy if you cling to your soul life. That's what Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. It's not easy kicking against the pricks, which the soul life fighting the spirit life is why we struggle. Because we're living out of our senses, we're living out of our self, and we haven't yet burned them all up by the fire of the Word. The Word of God is what delivers us from living out of our senses. The five senses have to die in order for the new covenant to begin in you. That's in, that's in Genesis 14. Abraham, after fighting the five kings and conquering them completely, then he came and met Melchizedek and received bread and wine, the new covenant. The five kings are your five senses. They had to be conquered in order for the new covenant, which is spirit and faith. Abraham, father of faith, that covenant is still today, and it's still only for those who conquer their five senses, which is their carnal, natural man. And what is the conquering of the carnal, natural man? Your faith. Yeah. Your faith. Faith in what? The living prophetic word. The prophetic word. The living word. The word. Prophecy is just the word with the Holy Ghost in it. The word that the Spirit is expressing towards you with the inspiration of His glory. That's the prophetic word. It's not just fortune cookies. It's not thus saith the Lord. It's the word with the Holy Ghost in it. It's when you read the Bible under the power of the Holy Spirit, you're experiencing the pr purest, purest form of prophecy. That's what we need to get into. That's what feasting is. That's the hidden manna. Those that overcome, overcome what? Feeding of the flesh, feeding of their personality to the feeding of their spirit and the burning of their personality. Holy. My personality was so rocked when I was born again in Teen Challenge in 1999. I was a completely wild extrovert, drug addict, alcoholic. When I got saved, I realized everything about my life was a lie and I became extremely introverted for the first couple years. My personality shifted instantly because I realized I was so humbled that I knew nothing about life. Zero. Everything I believed in was a lie. And it was exposed to me at my conversion. So all of my wild, presumptuous external pride and loud boasting about everything just went to zero. It did. And I just, now I'm like a little spirit on the inside learning brand new. 
And after feeding on my spirit, the word of God for years and years and years, I got that external boisterous thing of the word of God, the freedom of my personality, not locked up inside, but had had been built up by the word to express my spirit on the outside through constant feasting. So I had a demonic counterfeit of my true glorified personality. And all I had to do is keep eating the word, keep learning wisdom, not settling for anything in the flesh, anything in the bloodlines, anything in the ancestry. It's all a new ancestry. It's all a new spirit, a new creature, a new personality comes into you. The Bible says that you have a new personality. You're not limited to anything you were in the flesh. It's all burning away. None of it will remain. It's all lies. Everything we know about ourselves and everything we know about others in the realm of the flesh is what's burning as the spirit comes more and more alive. That's the eternal conquering the temporal. The kingdom age is a place where a person's spirit has completely consumed their soul. And they're not limited whatsoever to the natural realm. The eternal realm is conquering the temporal realm in every time your faith increases in the word in your spirit. Gotta get set free from forms. Forms are the idolatry of the new covenant. External forms, it could be anything. It's anything the brain is attached to on the outside is an idol. To be idol free, little children, keep yourselves away from idols, First John says, means that the brain is only in the liquid moving river of life in the spirit, controlled by the spirit at peace with God. You can't be at peace with God if there's idols. You can't be at peace with God at the lower elevations on the mountain. If you're not on the mountain, there's no peace with God. God is only on his mountain, his holy mountain, Zion. Zion is the invisible mountain of the Holy Spirit. You're climbing at the sacrifice of the soul every day. And the Holy Spirit becomes everything on the inside that you experience in your personality. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs chapter 9. Gotta check this out. Wisdom's feast. And this is from the Passion Translation. Wisdom, Lady Wisdom, is a poetic personification representing Christ, the wisdom of God. This is a classic form of blah, blah, blah. The Hebrew word chakma, wisdom, can also mean sacred sense. It is the understanding and insight given only by God. Wisdom has built herself a palace. There is a fascinating wordplay in the Hebrew text. The verb meaning to build and the word translated sun come from the same root. Build is banna and sun is ben. The house wisdom is building is a sun. <laughs> You and I are sons of God who are being built into a spiritual house. There is also a verb in the Hebrew for hewn, as in stones. We are living stones raised up to be God's temple. 
So wisdom has built herself a palace, or wisdom has built herself a sun. <laughs> what is sonship? The building up of wisdom. Holy. Upon seven pillars to keep it secure. The seven pillars of wisdom, plural wisdoms, point us to the seven days of creation, the seven spirits of God, and the seven components of heavenly wisdom given in James 3, 17 and 18, which you can read in your own time. Oh, oh yeah. Wisdom has made ready a banquet feast. So wisdom builds up sons and produces sons, and then the sons, the friends of the bridegroom, prepare the feast of the Lamb for the nations, which is the great awakening of the end times, the one billion soul harvest that we've been promised in this generation. All you need to do is grow in wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. She has made ready a banquet feast, and the sacrifice has been killed. <laughs> As translated from the Aramaic, the sacrifice points us to Calvary. Wisdom's pillar is a cross. The Hebrew phrase here literally means she has prepared her meat. She has mingled her wine and the tables are all set. Wisdom's feast will teach us the ways of God. We feed our hearts on revelation truth that transforms us. Then we implement with wise strategies the understanding we have learned at the feasting table. She has sent forth all of her maidens, crying out from the high place, inviting everyone to come and eat until they're full. That's our job. It's the voice of the wilderness, the voice of the spirit of Elijah, the voice of the friend of the bridegroom, telling everyone to come and eat the spiritual food. That's what our job is, is teaching people. Isn't that what the Bible also says? The spirit and the bride say, come and drink. Teaching people how to drink the wine that wisdom mixes. Whoever wants to know me and receive my wisdom, come and dine at my table and drink of my wine. Lay aside your simple thoughts and leave your paths behind. Agree with my ways, live in my truth, and righteousness you will find. What is it? Spirituality. And spirituality, righteousness, living in the spirit, not in the curse, not in the natural, and righteousness living in the spirit, you will find. If you try to correct an arrogant cynic, expect an angry insult in return. If you try to confront an evil man, don't be surprised if all you get is a slap in the face. So don't even bother to correct a mocker, for he'll only hate you for it. But go ahead and correct the wise, they'll love you even more. Teach a wise man what is right, and he'll grow even wiser. Instruct the lovers of God, and they'll learn even more. One thing that's tested as wisdom kills her beasts, which is the removal of the flesh life from your mind to practice spirit life with your whole mind. 
One thing you realize, the only thing you're being tested in is how much you love God. The only test on this planet is how much you love God. <laughs> it's true. That's the only thing you're ever tested in. Because if you love Him, you'll give it all for Him. And the more you give, the less it even feels like a sacrifice anymore. Because what is the sacrifice to give up the realm of the natural, the realm of the self-life, the realm of our own personal control, for the realm of the Holy Spirit's control? It's given up death. That's what the overcoming of death is, a people that will give up their souls gladly to the control of the Holy Ghost, to the control of the Spirit of Wisdom. To the control of the seven pillars wisdom builds. To the control of the seven blazing torches before his throne. You know who sits on the throne? The Bible tells you. Upon his throne are the overcomers. And they will sit with me on my throne and they will dash the nations to pieces like pottery. Who gets on the throne? The ones who know intimately the seven spirits of God as the seven pillars wisdom builds. What is wisdom? The progressive possession of the Holy Ghost in your souls. And they're, they're pillars of fire. It's the seven interior castles of the soul. It's the interior mansion. It's your personality. And the personality will go from glory to glory as you let wisdom build. This is letting the spirit build so the laborers don't labor in vain. What is vain laboring? It's building on the outside without the transformation of the soul on the inside. It's dead works. Laboring in vain is externalism. Unless the spirit does it through the transformation of the soul on the inside, it's a dead work 100% of the time. Christianity, as you know it right now, is almost all dead works. Not all, but mostly. Mostly all. Why? Because they're not God inside minded. It's not about the spirit building the house. We let the spirit build the house and we think it's an external building of the house by an external spirit. That's Jezebel. That's building Jezebel's house. That's mostly so far what we've done in the charismatic church. And that is the truth and have tested it thousands of times. If you build this internal house, I will destroy this house and rebuild it the third day. What's the house of Jesus in the red letters? His body. I will rebuild this house. What's the original design Garden of Eden? God creating the house of Adam and Eve's body and dwelling in their house. Your body is the church. I'm going to rebuild this church, this internal church. Will it have anything to do on the outside? Nope, not at all. That's just all deception. All of it will burn. It has nothing to do with the outside at all. Only the inside is the work of the Spirit's building. Will there be an outpouring on the inside? Yes, to bring them into the ark so they can have their own Holy. transformation in their own soul to being fully God inside-minded. Amen. Father, transform our souls to see our bodies as your temples, your church, and glorify this house with your word inside our spirit. <laughs> Confront our mind attached to external ideas. That's when we're attached to altars of demons. The truth is, God has never dwelt in any building made by human hands. Acts 7.48, it is written. God has always desired to get back in our bodies. He created us perfect. He has worked through our imperfections for six days. That's the time of man. 
The seventh day is where man is no longer doing man's religion. But the seventh day of the seven spirits of God, God's works, God's dwelling, is within man, ending man's works. That's only done if he's conquered us internally. There's no other Christianity here. It's not like just a teaching and a doctrine of being God inside minded. It's becoming the church. It's becoming a temple. It's the entire purpose of the new covenant. It's not a partial teaching. It's the entire covenant. It's becoming the ark. All wisdom is built inside. All revelation is to consume whatever our consciousness is connected to the outside. That's what sin is. Sin is how much of your consciousness is based on anything external. Righteousness is how much of your consciousness is based on the eternal and the internal. <laughs> you're only in the eternal to the measure your brain through the blood of the lamb is in the internal past the inner court the heart through the circumcision of the heart into the holy place to walk amongst the seven golden lampstands that is the entrance out of technon external christian to weos internal christian jesus was fully god inside minded out of my belly flows rivers. That's what he said, John 7, 38. And then he said again, it's my father in me doing the works. Why was Jesus always weos? He's the only Christian in the New Testament that was a mature one from birth. Why? He was always God inside minded from birth. He was always aware of the Holy Spirit and his father because you can't separate the Son from the Spirit and the Father. The Trinity cannot be separated. He was always aware of his Father. And now when you come into a place of being fully God inside-minded, you'll always be walking in maturity because you'll always be walking in the Father. It will be the Father in you revealing himself progressively through the Word of God and by the power of the Spirit of God for all the days of your life on earth. This is all there is to do on earth is the revelation of God the Father progressively conquering the inside of you. <laughs> and even when you're just young on the inside, you'll still be great in the glory. Your body will still be completely infused with ecstasy. Yeah. Ecstasy is the realization of the God of ecstasy formed on the inside of your body. <laughs> when you know the Holy of Holies, the center of the kingdom of God in your very belly. Luke 17, 1, uh, 17, 21 says what? The kingdom of God's glory is inside you. When you're aware of the light source of the kingdom of God in the center of your soul, in your spirit, then your soul is always whacked on the glory. You learn to live in the glory. You learn to go from glory. The Bible says you live in the light, now walk in the light. You have light experiences, glory experiences, but your soul is being renewed through direct revelation to keep connected to the throne of the Father and the throne of the Lamb, which is the kingdom of glory in the midst of you already. So the only question heaven is asking you tonight, what are you going to do with the kingdom of glory in the midst of you? <laughs> Follow on through. 
and clothe the earth with the glory. That's what we're going to do. We're going to learn how to enjoy the glory with all of our souls. Like, like Mary of Bethany. What did she do? She completely poured out her sacred contents representing her spirit on Jesus Christ and then just waited in the glory, rested in the glory. And she has chosen the better portion and it will never be taken from her. Which means once you discover the power of his presence and the intimacy in the secret place of your heart, it'll never be taken from you. It's the pearl of great price and you have sold the rest of the field, which is dirt, which is your flesh, your heart flesh, your brain flesh, your bone flesh. You sell the whole field to cherish the pearl. What's the pearl? The gates of the kingdom of revelation, the gates of glory, the gates of Zion. Now you've discovered how to live in the glory. This is the knowledge of the glory. This is Christ in you, the realization of the glory, Colossians 1.27. When you find the gate and the pearl of the entrance of the glory in your own spirit. Oh, hallelujah. This is when you go on autopilot, everything begins to make sense in your whole life. The attacks, the distractions, the religious deceptions, so much of the rejections and the persecutions, because a lot of the higher ranking demons can see you in your future desiring to go into God's glory, and they've treated you accordingly. Satan saw the deliverers of Moses' day and killed all the babies. Satan saw the deliverers of Jesus' day and Herod killed all the babies. Satan saw the deliverers of this generation and we had Roe versus Wade and they killed one third of all the babies of America the last 50 years. And now Roe versus Wade is overturned because the deliverers have come into maturity. You understand? Yeah. The deliverers Whoa. have come into maturity. <laughs> what does that mean? It means that the spirit has stood up on the inside Whoa. and has conquered the soul and the flesh part of us. So now we can rest in these temples in the power of his glory by feasting on the word and the word's going to do its own works. The word's going to have its own banquet, its own feasting. The word's in control here. Remember who's king of kings and lord of lords? Hey. Revelation 19. The word of God. The word mixed with your spirit is the kingship and the rulership of this universe. The higher you go in the word, the greater your reign and the greater peace and prosperity there will be in your natural life. Your inner man determines the quality of your outer man. It's not outer man anything. It's inner man everything. Seek first the kingdom within you and its righteousness, which is learn how to practice the Holy Spirit's righteousness and live in his spirituality, which is live in the river. Then all things can be added unto you. Then you begin to rule the world. The world is longing for the revealing of yes. these ones that are fully God inside minded to be liberated from the curse of the fall. They're still cursed in external forms of charismatic Christianity. They're not set free. There is no externalism you could practice with the gifts of the Spirit to liberate cre creation. You can liberate individuals with words of knowledge, words of faith, words of wisdom, and I love the gifts of the Spirit. We walk in the gifts of the Spirit because they're all in the river. The river determines when they come out. Holy. I don't determine them anymore. I did when I was younger in the Lord, younger in the giftings. Now the seven spirits of God determine everything. 
He's in charge. He's my father. He's your father. He knows when to bring out of the wisdom out of the storehouse and what season at what time. Always Holy. in perfect timing. <laughs> you know what the sons and the anointing of the sons of Issachar are. They know the times and the seasons. The ones that are fully baptized in the internal river of life that are controlled for every time and every season by God on the inside. And then they reveal the inside, the word on the inside, the Holy of Holies from the human spirit, the throne of the Lamb and the throne of the Father onto the outside in His timing. The manifesting sons of God come forth in God's time. What do we do in the meantime? Eat. Feast. Your, your inner man will be revealed as your outer man if your inner man becomes overfed. An underfed Christian is still inside the temple, which is not a bad place to be. I mean, Samuel grew up inside the temple, representing those that grow up God inside minded, hearing the voice on the inside. The greater one in you, discipled directly from the greater one in you, was zero influence from he that is in the world. This is not a bad place to be. God has prepared a body for you. God prepared a body for Jesus. Jesus enjoyed living in his body. He still does because he's still in the flesh. Now he's enjoying living in your bodies, the body of Christ. And he's going to bring you into the same experience that he had. The testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, which is the way of the Lord. The same experiences as you grow and awaken your heart. What is preaching for? For the awakening of hearts. The awakening of the inside of the temple. What does it mean to clean up the outside of the cup if the inside of the cup is unclean? First we clean the inside of the cup and not just clean the inside of the cup and then clean the outside. You gotta fill it up with new wine. You gotta fill it up with divine ecstasy. You gotta fill it up with liquid glory. Your spirit learns how to fill and flood the temple with living waters. The bride of Christ is the Ezekiel 47 water temple. The new covenant expression is the living temple of living water, like the days of Noah. And when we're living as the new covenant temple, we will drown the world. And we're going to drown the world, and it's going to be a con con condensed drowning of glory. So you're not going to have to deal with piranhas, great white shark, Jezebel mermaid spirits, all kinds of wicked, slimy, greasy things crawling around in the waters. Because, you know, the devil likes waters, too. The devil, out of the mouth of the devil's mouth, flowed a river. He's all into the water. He just wants sewage water. He wants unclean water. But he wants water. He's the wormwood that fell that made the waters bitter. So he's a water spirit according to Revelation. Which means when you're in the living water, he wants what you got more than anything. He'll attack you to try to steal your waters. What does the Bible say in Proverbs? Stolen waters are sweet. Stolen waters. Je Satan is trying to steal Jesus' waters in you. Holy. And if you don't value the waters, understand the waters, have revelation, Holy. knowledge of the glory as the waters cover the sea, Habakkuk 2.14, then the enemy will take your waters and corrupt the waters. And that's why you have all kinds of blessings in the devil's camp out there because Christians have not been God inside minded. We have allowed and have received from the enemy an Old Testament expression because we have not yet come into the understanding of the new covenant expression of the perfecting of the living waters in our bodies. 
When we come into the Ezekiel 47 expression of the new covenant temple fulfilled, then we will say the spirit and the bride say come and drink because she's the temple of living water. They're drinking directly from our faith, directly from our spirit. <laughs> and we are the gates of God. Lift up your heads, O you ancient gates, for the river of life to come out. Psalms 24, the king of glory, the glory to come out. It's the waters of life to come out. This head has to be renewed fully to out of your innermost being flows rivers in the water temple in order to flood the worlds. There needs to be revelation of the water. The Bible says the glory is already here. Now you need the knowledge of the glory. Isaiah says the glory of the earth fills, fills the whole world. And now you need the knowledge of the glory, which is how to get it into your spirit and to make your body a temple of it. Because the seven spirits of God are sent out into all the earth already. Revelation 5, 6. Now you need the seven spirits of God to adopt you, because that's God your father down here, and to transform your soul into water temples. John had a water gospel. Every chapter of the Gospel of John, it's water, 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 water. And then you read Revelation, John's just always talking about water. The great shepherd shall lead him to the springs of the waters of life, the voice of many waters. All this terminology is from the Apostle John because he understood it's the restoration of the water temple that restores all things in heaven and earth and under the earth. Which means make your gospel a living water gospel, drinking the Holy Spirit crystal clear and sparkling, and learn how to stay in the substance of his living water and give everyone around you the refreshment of the water of life. If you can give them a drink, you'll have more when you drink yourself. Because you're reaping and sowing. Seed time and harvest remain forever. The main thing you want to be sowing is the living water. When you're sowing living water, giving everyone a drink of the water, you get more yourself. You become the fountain of the Lamb as you give everyone refreshing drinks of living water all around you. You know how they can drink simply by breathing. How do animals... What do they... How do I, they go right to the watering hole. It's, it'll draw them. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. In the days of Noah, everyone comes to the ark. And it's the opposite of getting away from the water. It's going into the source of the living water. They'll get thirstier and thirstier apart from the source until they'll all come around the fountain formed within the bride's spirit. The bride's spirit is the source of living waters. And that's the billion person, one new man, whose spirit is knit together in agape love because the cross has completely regenerated our spirit. I mean, that's the titan of the earth. That's the giant of the earth. The bride, it's one bride. And together, it's a giant. The bride together is equally yoked with Jesus Christ, God, creator of everything, with spiritual ability. And we're members in particular of that body. And we can excel in strength and anointing and ability as we do well inside the, the living water to serve the king in the living waters. You get promoted. Not everyone stays in the same waters when they're in the living water because the water begins to flow. You're, you know, your body is mostly made out of water. So the body of Christ is mostly made out of water, but there's also wine, there's also oil, there's great light. There's fire. Your heart's a battery. There's fire in your heart. The whole body begins to change in the elements of the glory. As you 
come into the encounters right now of where you are in the body and bear fruit directly where you are now in the part of the body you're in now. Not in seeking some other part of the body, but bearing fruit where you're at now in the body where the Spirit of God's placed you, where your soul currently is, as you develop the living waters there, then you begin to move through the body. God can promote you in the body by fruit bearing. Without fruit where you're at, the external just looking at other people's fruit, you can't grow in the body. It's through bearing fruit, the fruit of your spirit inside the one body of Christ, directly where he's planted you, that you can get promoted. And so the soldiers of Joel's armies, our weapons of warfare are not carnal mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What it means is the fruits of the spirit are the weapons of our warfare. The leaves of this tree of life and the fruit bearing of the tree of life are the healing of the nations. Healing is a weapon of warfare against sin, sickness, and disease. And it'll be the fruit bearing in the living water. You need light and water and the seed of the word to bear fruit. And you can bear much fruit, John 15, and fruit that lasts if you stay connected to the living water, to the wine vine, to the joy of the Lord, his source of anointing, which is the word of grace. If you make it about him in your center and never about you or others, you will always stay connected. The disconnect is from the temptations of selfishness. Selfishness is the disconnect from grace because now it's about me. So I repent and make it about him. Amen. Every day, it's all about you, Jesus. I stay connected to the vine, John 15. You can do nothing apart from me. You can't bear fruit apart from me. You can't do one good work apart from me. It's like Jesus is everything that the soul wants and desires in the world, and you're learning how to stay connected and then get fulfilled in him, enriched in him, provided for in him, with less and less sweat of the brow, more and more what? Fruit of the lips. They shall live by the fruit of their lips and no longer by the sweat of the brow. But you have to learn how to talk in the vineyards of the Garden of Eden. There is a walking with the Father in the coolness of the day. And what was desired of the Father? Adam, where are you? He longed for the fellowship of the communication in that glory dimension. You will have to learn a different language. That's why you need to go deep in the Bible to talk biblically to your father which is the illumination of wisdom his language is set do not go beyond what is written means don't leave the communication of the word of god in the spirit of god to talk with your father in the glory walk with the father in the coolness of the day communicate with him in the scriptures there is a wisdom which is the scriptures major spiritual communication so that you have a freedom it's like you have your own message paraphrase which is you you know the word on the inside working in your spirit so well that anything you talk about is going to have revelation flowing it all becomes prophetic the more and more you have wisdom working in your spirit it's not just like quoting scripture from the head it's your spirit flowing rivers of the living word because your whole existence is based on the seed of the word bearing its fruit in your spirit and the soul comes off and the flesh comes off and it's all goat it's all selfish it's all knowledge it's all death you know the the soul is goat 
equal to the flesh that is goat. Yeah. It's written in the tabernacle of Moses. The tabernacle of Moses was covered with goat skins. The tent of meeting was covered with goat skins. In order to have fellowship with the Father, Jesus Christ said in Luke 15, you had to kill the goat, which means the cross has to destroy the soul. Gian Guyan called it in sanctification the stage of annihilation, which is the best thing you should ever pray for and then go after to annihilate your heart and your mind on the glory. Because when you're annihilated, it's also a term for being extremely drunk. When you kill your beast and you annihilate your beast, which is your goats, which is all consciousness of self, self-awareness just gets obliterated, you're only glory aware. The reason why people don't feel the glory as strongly as others is because they haven't killed the goat as much as others. That's all you gotta do. The Bible prescribes it in the scriptures. Kill the goat. Have fun with your friends. Adam created, God the Father created a friend for Adam, not to do work, to have fun. The highest calling in life is having fun with the Father. You know, that's why the earth was created. It wasn't created for works or religious crap. It was created for continual, continual celebration. Hallelujah. We've turned it into religion. We're going to return it back into celebration. And the older prodigal son, down to his last breath, is going to be angry about it. He'll say, where's the works? Where's Robert's rules of order in your organization? They'll say, where's the elders? Where's the board of directors? They can't see the heavenly sin. They're blind in their religious sin. They've removed themselves from Elijah's whirlwind. The government of Elijah and the government of Moses of Zion, which has perfected freedom for all the children of God. It's a government of freedom that you be set free and you stay free. What is the law of the new covenant? The law of liberty in Christ Jesus. That you be continuously free from the do's and don'ts of the flesh. From the right and wrong of the carnal mind. Which means you stay a religion-free zone. That's the law of liberty in Christ Jesus, that you stay free. There's a law that you stay free from what? The devil's sorcery called religion. That's most of the Christianity you've known up until this point. The sons are going to bring forth a completely different expression of Christianity that's going to be more biblically accurate than anything you've ever tasted in this generation. It's going to be the glory realm. It'll be Jerusalem without walls. It'll be the angelic building up of your spirit without any do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs of the flesh. And it'll be perfected purity because the spirit's doing it. The word's doing it. The blood's doing it. And you're not. If man is doing it, it's perverted. If man is doing it, it's immoral. If the Holy Ghost is doing it, it's perfect. They often call the things the Holy Spirit does immoral. I've watched them over the years and all the prophetic manifestations the Spirit of God's done through me. They attack them violently. They call it immorality. It's blasphemy. 
Most people, because of a bewitchment on the soul, don't understand the works of the Spirit. Now Solomon said in the Psalm of Solomon that the Spirit will build the house, otherwise the laborers labor in vain. Vain labor is the working of man's hand. Those that work in Christianity by their own brain and hand don't understand one thing of the Spirit's head, the mind of Christ, and the Spirit's hand, His building. So you have two different expressions of what looks like the same Christian religion, but one's of heaven and one's of hell. John's baptism, was it from man or from God? That's what the if they said it was from man, it was the equivalent as being from hell in the Bible. So to be from God means that God is doing it exclusively without any help. Now, he'll be on the inside of the bodies. And so people say, well, you're doing stuff too. We, you know, we preach five days a week for the last 15 years, but it's not me doing the preaching. It's the spirit of my father inside me that does the communicating. I don't have revelation. Revelation is, comes directly Holy from God. No man can say, oh, I have revelation from all my time studying the Bible. Well, Saul of Tarsus wouldn't have been killing Christians then. He had the whole Bible memorized. You don't get revelation from reading the Bible. You get revelation from experiencing the written word in your spirit at the expense of your carnal nature. You don't get any revelation, any building up of the spirit through works. It's only through faith alone and yielding to the Spirit to build you up and to revelate His Word and to teach you as you embrace Him as your Father in you. The Holy Spirit's your Father. The ones that get fathered are the ones that know the Holy Ghost during this time as their Father. And they don't have any other Father except the Holy Ghost. Call no man your Father. You have one Father and He is in Heaven. Good thing you're in heaven too, so he's your father. No separation and no distance. It's the father in you. The Holy Ghost in you is the father, father in you. How do we make the distance? Stay getting fathered and endure all of the fathering of the father dealing with how wrong the Adamic and Eve nature is about everything. So the main thing I see that we deal with is that we've allowed our Adam and Eve nature to become Christian. So that we're offended by when the Father wants to completely remove the old Adamic and the old Eve and just father the new creature. And we think it has something to do with us still. This is the place of all fallen angel deception, that we think that the soul has a part in salvation. It doesn't. Only in the annihilation of the soul is the salvation of the Lamb experienced by grace imparted directly from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, amen, amen, amen. Yeah. So Lord, I just pray for a people to experience a greater oh, wow. ease in the glory. Yes. A greater realization of the working of the Holy Spirit consuming our spirit and our soul from the inside and a greater yielding of the soul to the fire of the Holy Ghost. 
Now, you can't put demands on him of what you want it to look like. His creative manifestations will directly confront your pride. Your female pride, your male pride, your cultural pride, your pride of knowledge. It's called the pride of life. One third of the curse of the fall is the pride of the natural life, of anything of the external realm that you've put into your soul. Woo! That is what the Holy Spirit is going to deal with in us. Sanctification is the full removal of the pride of life. There is no pride of life in the Holy Spirit. Just the Holy Spirit as life. The Holy Spirit as the tree of life. The Holy Spirit forming the Son of God, the same exact expression that was under the skin of Jesus of Nazareth, is all the Spirit of God is interested in doing. So whatever needs to be done with the Word, with correction, with discipline, with changing your mind, changing your heart, removing external influences, let the Spirit of God do it towards you now. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit and remove the external things that are robbing your temples of expressing your fatherhood. Temples of God the Father, each one of you can express the Father. So the meaning of life is to get sanctified and transformed of soul to express the glory of the Father. Hebrews chapter 1, he is the express image of God the Father, the outraying brilliance of the light being. And so are you. And therefore, he's not ashamed to call you brothers and sisters of the exact same likeness, of the exact same Father, but you will have the same fathering. God put a demand on his son for obedience, and it was good. God is putting a demand on you to yield to his spirit. Your spirit has God in it, and all you're called to do is decrease, and he will increase. And it's not often violent, it's not often so boisterous and loud, it's gentle and still, like waters rising during the tides. It happens silently. Be still and know that he is Lord. The silence, the selah, which means ascension. Selah means ascending in Hebrew, which means in the stillness you will rise. It was in the stillness that Jesus rose from the dead. The loud thunder and the lightning and the storm was at the cross, but the silence was in the resurrection. Your ascension will be silent. Amen. It'll be in the calm waters of the waters of peace and life of the Holy Ghost in you, completely satisfied on the works of Christ, rising in the greater tide in your heart. And the river of life will rise to a place where it takes your head underwater. Ezekiel 47, they came to a point in the river that no man could cross. That's when you begin to operate out of the mind of Christ and your head is baptized in the living water. That is when your mind now knows the knowledge of the glory and how it flows through your spirit. That's the knowledge of the priesthood of Melchizedek. And you just begin to understand God's ways more thoroughly, more deeply. You begin to be more satisfied. You begin to rest. You're never in a rush. You love his timing. I'm not here to 
rush anything. I am totally content and satisfied with all God's fathering in our lives. Amen. And if there's stuff that needs to be redeemed that's out of order, He will redeem the times. As you're satisfied on God the Father on the inside, the angels begin to work on the outside. They begin to rearrange everything. Those connections for marketplace, for business, all the things the canker worm has stolen get restored seven times when the thief is caught stealing. The thief trades on the waters of the stolen waters and he gets caught on the waters and he must repay all that he's stolen from your souls when you return with all your souls to the living waters of God's Father and by His Holy Spirit in you and His Holy Spirit upon you and His Holy Spirit all around you moving and having your being in a realm of the Spirit of glory all the days of your life encapsulated in the glory on the inside, in the glory on the outside. People will come into your manifestation of the glory, the manifestation of the sons of God. And they'll want the internal revelation. They want the hidden manna to come into the same manifestation of the same glory. And you begin to introduce them to Jesus. Begin to teach them God inside minded revelation, how you too are a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you receive from God. You're not your own, you're bought with the price. Therefore now, you can honor God with your bodies. You can all live in the glory. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come and drink all who are thirsty, who want the waters of life, can come and drink and be set free from all the bondage of the world around you. And you can live in the fullness of His bright light and be washed over in deep calling unto deep in the waves of the Garden of Eden as God the Father speaks His word like living water washing over you constantly, a deep word, a fulfilling word. All the depth of your soul and the depth of your heart satisfied on the living waters, on the blood of Jesus and on the living word. The new covenant and the gospel have perfected your souls into heaven. This is a promised land vision, a promised land understanding of the gospel to fully encapsulate, baptize, submerge, and create a whole world in my Father's house or many mansions or dwelling places for you to live in a perfected peace, a perfected prosperity, a perfected glory that the Spirit has built for your soul. It's your promised land. And only in that place of your soul, living in that mansion or that dwelling place of His power and glory that He's created for you, will you have the full ability to help others around you like you're desiring. Because you'll be ministering out of the elevation that He's raised up, you, raised you into. He's, you've been lifted up into what God has created and nothing but man can create. So you have a supernatural witness of the testimony of Jesus of how to ascend by faith alone to live in the dwelling of His glory. It will get more and more real to you every day. Your faith will increase. The thickness of the glory of the manifesting faith in your life become tangible on the outside. Begin to feel it in your feelings. People feel it around you. What is that energy? They say, I feel that energy immediately. I'll ask people, I'll, I'll talk to unbelievers, do you feel that? They said, I felt it immediately when I came near you. They can feel the glory you're walking Holy. in. Presence and feeling evangelism. 
making them thirsty. They're searching for a good feeling because God is a feeling. It's the feeling of love. You have to feel loved. You have to feel hugged by God. God is hugging you with the feeling of His love, the feeling of His glory. It will satisfy all the feelings, all the emotions of every soul in the coming days. People will not lift up sword against sword. They'll beat their swords into plowshares because they're all going to feel so good you can't even be angry at someone. You can't even <laughs> sin against your neighbor. That's how good the nations are promised to feel in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. So we're going to be practicing these feelings of His glory for a while until we're so enriched by it, so glorified by it, that it's poured out on others. It'll be poured out in a never-ending outpouring of all of our personal revivals combined like the fountain of the Lamb and the Spirit and the Bride say, Come and drink divine love. Come and be drunk with love. Come and experience heaven above in the white dove. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for every soul here marinated in it and sautéed in it, barbecued on the 4th of July in divine love. In Jesus' name. Have a great 4th, everybody. Bless you guys. Have fun with your families. Bliss on your fireworks. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for this season of a greater glory in every person's life. If you have a personal need, I want you to just tell the Lord inside you the needs you have and then expect an answer out of Christ in you towards the issues and the things you have need for. Talk, talk to your first love. The Lord is going to respond to you. He answers. The Bible says He answers with fire. Out of your belly will flow an answer to your need and your prayer in your own spirit. And there you'll find the storehouse of His glory, the storehouse of His power, the storehouse of His provision to meet every need and to be generous on all occasion. Amen. If you're getting blessed by this ministry, ask the Holy Spirit if you can partner to this ministry, tithe to this ministry. Today's a big day for Red Letter Ministries. Even though we got this place on auction, it was completely condemned and boarded up for a penny. We had to borrow $85,000 in order to bring it up to code, um, in order to have the code inspector come here and to live in and to open it up to the public. Today, we finally paid off the debt of the crack house and that 85 grand I borrowed. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> took 16 years and uh, after interest, I think $145,000 later, but it's all good. It was, it was fun. A good 16 years. So we're debt free now at the crack house. It's pretty big. Shadrach is asking for help. His dad just died right before the big crusade and funeral expenses are racking up and hospital bills. And he said it'd be $2,000 to get him debt free in RLM Africa. And so if God puts it on your heart, you can give a generous offering. Click the links in the description. I'd like to pay for Shadrach's funeral expenses. He still did the five-day crusade. They say they've they've won almost 1,500 people to Jesus. And people yeah. going... Hey. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yeah, they, they work so hard for the Father's heart. They really do an incredible job. The management 
of RLM Africa is exceptional, it's excellent. The stewardship of everything they've been entrusted with is the highest level I've ever seen in ministry. And so let's be a blessing to our sister church in Nairobi. You can click any of the links in the description if you want to send me, send me a note. It's an offering for Shadrach's dad's funeral to cover the funeral expenses. You can put a note on it or not, but we're going to cover it. And uh, I did write a check for $28,000 to cancel off all the remaining debt on this house today. So we're, with the first of the month's uh, bills, it's about 10000 for our global works, just for maintenance every month. It's been like that for many years. And then this is a bigger month because we have Shadrach's Crusade, we have the funeral, and we're paying off all the debt in this house because the interest is just crazy. And it's just, uh, instead of paying the, this money every month, let's p get it done with right now. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's about $50,000 is the need of all the expenses right now in Red Letter Ministries. And I mean, it might be too much for anyone individually, but together with, you know, we have about a thousand people involved every single day in this ministry. It's easy if we come together, if everyone gives something, everyone has something they can give. You don't have to be just super rich to begin giving. You can give right where you're at and be a part of this ministry, support this ministry. And Heavenly Father, oh, I pray you'd speak to every heart about how they can support this ministry right now with all the needs that I've presented for them, that they would be a part of Red Letter Ministries financially and to begin to sow into this ministry and all the building, all the wisdom, all the growing of the sons of God and the training of all these people around the world that we participate in. And we just thank you, Jesus, for cheerful givers. Bless each one as they give in a super abundant way in jesus mighty name bless you guys and we'll see you tuesday in jesus name amen, amen. glory <laughs> glory thank you lord <laughs> amen
Thank you.